You are listening to my top 10 TV podcast. You can find this on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another stellar episode of my top 10 TV podcast. Thank you for all the great comments and follows. We really appreciate it. This week sees another amazing guest. Nikki Morris is a TV and film writer for Hello. She joined the Hello team in 2021, having previously written for Homes and Garden, Living Etc. and Tempest magazine. And I'm sure you'll agree, Nikki's top 10 is absolutely top draw. So without further obfuscation from me, enjoy my top 10 TV with Nikki Morris. So thank you for um, agreeing to do your top 10. I'm really, uh, really excited to hear about them. So if you want to give us your number 10 in your list. Sure, yeah. So number 10 is Stranger Things, um, which I think just about everybody has heard about. Um, the Netflix show, it's, uh, it's set in the 1980s in the fictional town of Hawkins, um, which seems fairly ordinary until a young boy named Will Byers goes missing. And it's sort of this sci-fi drama. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of it, Simon, but... Um, I absolutely love it. Um, it's been going for four seasons. And actually, the most recent series was my favourite. Um, I think because it was it up the ante a bit. It's exciting. It's a bit more scary. Um, but the show has so much heart. Um, and it's also very, feels very nostalgic too. Um, and I think the casting is just perfect as well. Uh, the character development is just great. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have you seen it. Um, for me, it kind of it just sums up so much that's good about um, sort of modern binge worthy television. Um, because you're right, it has the nostalgia, it has the humor, it has the kind of you know sort of Steven Spielberg stand by me kind of vibe, but also it just has everything. Um, and you know, sometimes sometimes a show will come along that you kind of think right okay we we've kind of we found a new genre we found a new way of being able to tell a story and i think stranger things did that and carries on to do it and i think you're absolutely right when you talk about season four which by all rights probably shouldn't have been as good as it was because you know kind of the characters aren't necessarily new we kind of are going over old ground a little bit we know the story of 11 but it was still just as funny just as gripping just as scary but i think what the duffer brothers did like amazingly was introduce eddie played by joseph quinn and he just was like an overnight sensation wasn't he like people went completely mad for him i went completely mad for him too and um i just think that just goes to show how amazing their writing is and how talented they are um and his dynamic fit in so well with the other characters that, that's exactly it is the fact that they just found another piece of the jigsaw that fitted which is which is difficult to say the least the one thing that always surprises me about stranger things in particular is the fact that how many of my female friends absolutely fall over at the sight of hopper they just uh, just absolutely love the guy and i'm just like wow just it kind of it doesn't I'm, I'm sometimes a little bit like i mean don't don't get me wrong i mean he's a fine looking man and kind of all that but you know because of the characters that he plays i just kind of think really and my my female friends are just like oh yeah yeah i completely agree i mean i love Hopper. i think there's so many lovable characters um i think steve's another one that oh, people get him. obsessed with love him 
his rela- it, and his relationship with uh, Dusty as well is just is just brilliant and and you know beautifully written, um, and yet yeah, just kind of he's he's a real kind of central character, but kind of you don't really know it, but everything sort of gravitates around him. I just yeah, it's, it, it is, and and the more you talk about it, the more you remember how much you love it. I think I'm hopeful that they're going to tie up neatly in a nice little bow and leave it there, and I think it'll be you know, the perfect ending and hopefully everybody will be happy with it. Of course. And it'd be a little present that we can take off the shelf every now and again and have a little recap and then put back. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. Fantastic. A brilliant start to your top 10. So please do introduce us to your number nine choice. Sure. So at number nine is Pride and Prejudice. This is the BBC 1995 version. And this, I think, is just one of the absolute best. I think Pride and Prejudice walks so Bridgeting could run. Um, it's nice. just perfection i'm a massive jane austen fan as well and i i read pride and prejudice the book i love it um and i think the script of this series is so faithful to the book and it's six hour long episodes and i think that's just the perfect length to go into enough detail but also not drag out the story um so yeah it's i mean i think everybody knows the, the story of pride and prejudice don't they but um to be honest, if, if Colin Firth emerging from a lake in a soaking wet shirt isn't enough to get in my top 10, then I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, do you know what? At least you can be honest about it. Um, it is remarkable to think that, I mean, that's kind of nearly 30 years ago uh, and it's still kind of the benchmark of where uh, period drama that is made in the UK is at. And I think that's a wonderful sentence that you mentioned that, you know, um, uh, Pride and Prejudice had, had to live for Bridgerton to run. I just think that's a, it's such a, a wonderful way to put it. Um, and it probably was the launching point for so many other period dramas that we've seen. And, you know, kind of the UK does have a heritage in this kind of stuff and producing, um, you know, period dramas, whether whether it's kind of Downton Abbey, which is, you know, still a period drama or it's something further back at Jane Austen. Um, but they, we just do them so well. Um, and I, I kind of hope that obviously television has kind of gone in a slightly different way with streaming services and whatever. And there does seem to be a lot of money around. Yeah, I completely agree. I think period dramas have come so far, haven't they? And the fact that I think Bridgerton as well, it, it was a resurgence of period dramas when Bridgerton came along, I think. But I think, yeah, Pride and Prejudice to me is sort of the, the starting point of my you know, it's where my love for period dramas began. And I think um, they've just done done the story so well. Fantastic. Brilliant. And, and uh, you know, c- couldn't agree more with uh, your sentiments on that. Um, so a bit of a gear change for your next one, which is your number eight. So please. Sure. It's um, it's extras. It's I had to include a Ricky Gervais comedy in here. And I think, I think extras is my favourite. Um, it's just. Oh, it's just so funny. It's a laugh a minute, really. And I, I really like Andy as a character. I think his story arc is really good. There's only two series, and I think it's really nice. It's neat. It doesn't go on for too long. It tells a story, and then it ends. Um, and Andy's relationship with Maggie is so nice. That's the heart of the story, I think, yep. um, which is played by Ashley Jensen. Um, and then you've got Stephen Merchant as the absolutely useless agent, and he provides a lot of the comic relief. Um, but also, obviously, the the main cast of 
celebrities is just fantastic. I can't believe some of the names that 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 signed up for this and were willing to sort of take the piss out of themselves, which is just it just it's so funny. He has a Midas touch. Um he's brilliant at creating beautiful short formed um comedies that kind of, you know, live light and bright bright shine brightly and then kind of he goes right okay i'm done with that i think that's incredibly brave he's remarkably savvy that he's able to think okay i'm done with that because if you've got something successful it's i can imagine it being very difficult to kind of leave it and kind of go no i'm done with that but he did it with the office it was two only two seasons exes was the same i don't i think Derek ran for a little bit longer but not much um in extras because andy is sort of thrust into this role that he doesn't particularly like he doesn't enjoy it's not really what he wants to do and then you've got that kind of other sort of level of story where it is as you say these you know a-list stars who are basically coming in and saying yes that's fine I'm, I'm happy to be abused i'm happy to be ridiculed it's remarkable i saw recently and it came up on one of my social media feeds is the scene with him with David Bowie and, you know, David Bowie kind of writing or concocting this song right in front of him about him being a silly little podgy man. But watching David Bowie, you know, play along with this joke about him creating a song that's taking the piss out of this man. It, it, it's just, it's so layered. Ricky Gervais in all the programs he's in doesn't really change. He's always Ricky Gervais. Yeah. It's the stuff around him that kind of changes. And I think that's part of the genius. Also, as you pointed out, Stephen Merchant only has to stand in, tele- on a, in a scene in television, and it makes me laugh. I think he's genuinely – there's an expression where somebody has funny bones, and Stephen Merchant, for me, is one of those people. And this is going to sound really odd, but he did an amazing film for Cancer Awareness about five years ago, um, and it's basically him fronting this ad about kind of, you know, we're, we, we need your money because we're researching for cancer. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And if nobody's, if nobody's gone to see that, please check out Stephen Merchant Cancer Awareness film. It's just genius because he's so funny. I, I kind of thought that maybe putting this in my list over The Office would be a bit controversial because I think everybody's go-to Ricky Gervais show is The Office, isn't it? And obviously that, but I think extras, there's some it's very unique isn't it because of the amazing stars that come in each episode and I just think Ricky and Stephen's partnership is incredible and like you say there's that cringe factor which is just oh it's just it's hard to watch but you can't stop watching and it's hilarious yeah no totally agreed uh, and I, I love it I think it's a it's a, a the perfect inclusion for your number eight so on to another uh, standout comedy and is your number seven it's Fleabag, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's sitcom. Um, and I think what this show does so well is explore real and serious issues like grief while also being incredibly funny. And I think that breaking of the fourth wall as well just adds another layer to it. Um, but I think one of the, I suppose it's a, a trope that I find in a lot of my favourite comedies is it's led by this character who's morally dubious and makes questionable decisions but you can't help but root for them and I think that's sort of flea bag here um and it's just it's just a really brilliant watch I think her relation relationship with her sister Claire you know they're they're complete opposites Claire is uptight restrained uh got a high-flying job 
um, and she's married and then you've got Fleabag who's sort of struggling to keep flow and running a cafe that's sort of going downhill and um, it, their relationship is so nice um, and I think as well obviously Olivia Coleman is in and she's just brilliant um, it's such a delicious character that she's got as well and she properly plays with it as well that's a, I, I have mentioned this before but um, what I think is is uh, remarkable about Fleabag is how willing and um, charitable Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in giving other people great lines. Yes, yes, you're so right. She's, she's just, I mean, because obviously, I mean, this came from a one-woman show, so it will have all come from her perspective originally. And so she will have known which bits are the funny ones, which bits land with an audience, where the line, where the good lines are, because as a performer, you start to know where the, where the, la the, the laughs hit. Um, so she will have then, you know, kind of extrapolated that to a series where it involves other characters. And so she will have had to thought about, right, who has that line, which I know is funny. And I think that's the remark. I think that shows remarkable restraint, but also appreciation that, you know, it's not one person that makes a show, especially for t television. It's the ensemble. And, and Fleabag, for me, has the best ensemble cast because they're all pulling in the same way and it really shows and also the addition of andrew scott as the hot priest in season Absolutely. two another example of bringing in a new character who's immediately a hit and so popular and it works so well with the other characters and i think that storyline was like it was as hilarious as it was heartbreaking, wasn't it? I think, um, yeah, no, absolutely hilarious and heartbreaking, but also kind of what a phenomenon that caused in terms of water cooler moments, like, you know, obviously through pandemic they stopped, but, you know, for people talking about kind of, you know, who did you watch last night? Yeah, I think it's great. It's a really unique show as well. And I, again, like that breaking the fourth wall allows for so much comedy and you really get an insight into her mind. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just, I mean, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is just brilliant, and that was kind of her her breakout, wasn't it? About oh, yeah, it was. It was her before. announcement to the world that I'm here and I'm ready. And I can't wait to see what she does next. I'm sure whatever it is, it'll be brilliant. Yeah, absolutely, totally agreed. Fantastic. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> this. This show kind of doesn't need any introduction, but being the fact that we are teasing these formats, uh, please introduce us to your number six. Sure, it's Succession, and I'd be surprised if this didn't come up on at least five other people's top ten. I'll, I'll let you into a secret now. It's a fairly regular entrant into into quite a few people's top ten. But they, do you know what? Some people have very different reasons behind, so I'd be interested to hear yours. Yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah, for those who haven't seen it, at the beginning of Series 1, the family's patriarch, Logan, his health is uncertain, and so... His children are all sort of fighting for control of the company. Um, I just think Jesse Armstrong is just an incredible writer. I mean, it's it's got an incredible ensemble cast, and they work together so nicely. Um, and there's some brilliant pairings uh, in there as well. Um, but again, I think this recurring trope in shows I like where the protagonist is awful and and selfish, and you but you can't help but sympathise with them and root for them. But I think. All the siblings are just, I mean, the cast is just amazing, but it's so interesting to see their dynamic and there's something so interesting about families at war. The thing about this series is just that it just got better and better. And I think from series one, which is already great, series two was just phenomenal, you know, without obviously spoiling the ending, but the 
the end was just perfect. It was just, it tied together so nicely, you know, a feel bad ending, but it was, um, it was great. And one of my favorite things about the show is the dynamic between Tom and Greg. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they kind of, thankfully what they do is they, they do bring an air of brevity to it because they're so ridiculous. They're so gawky. They're so out of their depth. Um, but yeah, no, their, their, their performances are brilliant. I've, I've assimilated this a couple of times. They're, they're almost like a Laurel and Hardy. They yeah. Kind of, you know, this, you would you would go away from the real hard-ass bickering kind of nasty kind of, you know, the, the real bitterness that you get in the boardroom, you know, lines in the Serengeti trying to rip lumps of flesh out of each other. And then it would cut to obviously, you know, sort of Greg and Tom and their slightly bumbling, idiotic meanderings. It's just, it's one of those shows that there isn't really anybody in it that you necessarily like. And I think that's yeah. remarkable that we, we stuck with it for so long, even though we didn't really like them, but we were so fascinated as to how it was going to unwind itself. The sibling rivalry is you know, on a different level, you know, anybody who's got brothers and sisters knows that there are times when you don't get on, there are times when you do. But to have that level of angst and vitriol and one-upmanship and second-guessing and never, ever trusting either of your siblings was just palpable. And I, I used to find it very, very difficult to watch just because of that. And obviously, you know, the... The, the, the maddenings of each of them throughout the seasons where they would just be get more and more unhinged and more and more kind of divisive um, was delicious to watch, but horrible in, at the same breath. Perfect. Right. Okay. So from a piece of brilliant American television to a wonderful piece of UK television. And uh, please give us your number five. Sure. So number five is Happy Valley. Um, but I mean, this series has everything. It's got drama, action, emotion. Humor. I mean, Sally is an incredible writer. I mean, everything ties together in such a perfect way. It's just incredibly funny too. And there's like some just amazing lines in there. You know, at the heart of it, the, the the drama is Sarah Lancashire. She's absolutely brilliant um, as Catherine Kaywood. I mean, when the the third series was released earlier this year, everybody just went mad over it, didn't they? Quite and quite rightly because it was. I think it was a six-year hiatus yep, that it, that's right, yeah. it, it, it hadn't been on air and it just came back with an absolute bang, ended so nicely. Um, but yeah, I think the performances are what uh, make this drama so watchable as well from all the cast. You know, even Reese Connor, who plays Ryan, he, you know, it's the same actor who played him as a young boy to when he, I think he's 16 in the latest series. It's difficult to kind of keep giving plaudits to Happy Valley. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I think it's appeared five times now in different people's lists, and it's always been pretty high up there as well. Um, and that is testament to how goddamn good it is. And the bravery to wait six years to bring between season two and season three was amazing. And you totally see why when you watch the series and think they needed to wait that long because they needed Ryan to grow up. Yeah, And so that's kind of when sort of real life does imitate art because they needed him to be mature enough to play the role he was going to have to play. Um, but again, character arcs in every, I mean, everybody has a journey in that series. Um, and I think it shows you the zeitgeist that it, it holds, that the scene where Catherine's in the cafe with her sister, knowing that they'd just been to see Tommy Lee in the prison, and yeah. they barely talk a word, 
and you could cut the tension with a knife um, or a greasy spoon. Um, and um, probably the stand-up moment of television this year, it, you know, yeah. it will wipe the floor in the BAFTAs when they're announced. Um, and also because it was such a popular culture moment, um, I don't live far from where that cafe is where it was filmed, and there was queues around the block. Really? To, to go and sit in that table where they shot that scene. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. But also, you talked about the characters and how brilliant they are. I think one of the characters that never really gets spoken about and is one of the outstanding performers in that is the scenery. Yeah. Just beautiful Lancashire and Yorkshire. And it was just like, you know, it just kind of, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of it was bleak. Council estates are bleak places. You know, police stations are bleak places. But you know what? When you're out in those moors and kind of the sun is out and it's green and what it's... it's it just looks amazing. And I think that was part of its, one of its selling points that, you know, it just looked amazing. I agree. It's a character in itself, isn't it? And it's so addictive to watch. And actually, when I was watching Happy Valley, and I feel like a lot of people felt the same, you felt compelled to move there or go there, even though all these bleak and terrible things were happening in this place, in the drama. Like you really, really wanted to go to this place, and a lot of people have, haven't they? I mean, Absolutely, it's, 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 there has been Happy Valley tourism. Absolutely, yeah, it is. It is a thing. Hence the cafe, not not far from me. I mean, the cafe owner was delighted for weeks afterwards because uh -huh. there was passing trade pretty much all of the time because everybody wanted to sit in that table, and that shows you when something brilliant has happened, something tangible has happened when you've got people from all over the country who are traveling to one place because they've seen it in a TV show. That's when TV is at its best and I think is why we love it. I think Happy Valley is more than just a show, isn't it? Um, right, okay, so from Happy Valley, your number four choice. Yes, number four is Space, which is a, cha <laughs> a channel for comedy and it's brilliant. It, it's the show that made stars of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and Jessica Stevenson. Um, it's just, it's sort of the beginning of the of the Cornetto trilogy, I think. It's just so funny and unique, these two sort of 20-somethings called Tim and Daisy, who are total strangers that have, they're looking for flats and they meet in a cafe and they find, um, they find this flat, but they've got to pretend to be a couple in order to get it. So that's what they do. It's just brilliant. The chemistry between um, Simon Pegg and Jessica's character characters are just great. And it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just great. It's, it's a quirky ensemble of characters. There's not one character that isn't funny. And I just think it's, um, yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It is. I, I totally agree. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines anyway. I think they're both absolutely brilliant. Nick Frost, one of the funniest people on screen, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, obviously, if you go on to Shaun of the Dead and, and uh, Hot Fuzz, just brilliant chemistry. They all have brilliant chemistry. Edgar Wright, you could see even from that series that he had something about him. He brought something yeah. new to the to how to direct a, a sitcom and kind of the, the little sort of nuanced flashes of genius that he would bring in the little kind of tropes that you can see in other films that you know you only have to look at baby driver to see the influence of what he was doing in uh Shaun of the dead and he was clearly you know practicing for when he was going to make bigger things by trying things out on space you know the different speeds of films the intercutting cutting scenes to a beat of music um the fact that you know 
Simon Pegg's char- character is a complete loafer and stoner, and all he wants to do is play video games and be a comic artist. And you know, she's a she's a desperately kind of you know struggling writer. And I was kind of having the frustration that they were having of not being able to get where I wanted to be, but also because I was watching this on a piece of TV, it felt very meta to me because it was kind of it was saying to me what I was doing, but kind of in a funnier, you know, sexier clever away kind of thing so it just always has had a very special place for me yeah I completely agree with you I think it feels so original um but also very real because the like you say the characters they do go through disappointment in their careers with their you know failed job applications and their love lives it also takes them ages to find a flat and when they do find it it's like a very realistic kind of flat in terms of how it looks yeah um it's not this you know like in friends when they have this massive (laughs) in the middle of Manhattan. No. Um. <laughs> You're right. The direct opposite to the kind of, you know, sort of palatial mansion flat that, you know, the girls lived in or, and the boys at one point in, in Friends. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have got just got to mention Mark Heaps, Brian. Oh. I think he is a standout for me as this struggling artist who's, you know, socially awkward, a bit of a loner, but um, sort of paints the same series of emotions over and over again. Yeah. Just this, it's so bizarre and it's so unique and it's just, it's, yeah, so reverent and just brilliant. Um, I just haven't seen anything quite like it before and no. quite like it since. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I'm delighted that you included it in in the, in your top ten, uh, which is going very well. I have to say, there's some fantastic shows. Uh, but th- your okay. next one, I'm going to put my hands up and then say, I don't, I know of it. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it for other reasons. Um, but please tell us what your number three is. Sure. It's it's called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The the characters are very unlikable and selfish. Um, and basically it follows a group of friends um, who are all borderline alcoholics, basically, and they run an Irish pub in Philadelphia. Um, and that's the sort of premise. Um, and in season two, Danny DeVito joined the cast as... Um, two of the there's a, a pair of siblings a pair of twins in the group and he joins as their dad um but all the characters are incredibly selfish and morally void and actually don't really care for each other um and it, it just makes for so, it honestly is probably one of the shows that i've laughed at the most like laughed out loud my stomach is hurting wow um, it's just so incredibly written and it's written by the people who are in it. So Charlie Day, uh, Rob McElhenney um, and Glenn Howerton. Um, they're just, it's just really, really excellent writing. And, but it's not, it's also, it's, I mean, it, it's been running for ages and ages now. I think it's on its 16th series, mm. you know, as well as being really funny, it's also not afraid to, comment on social issues too so it has a bit more depth than it might first appear yeah like for example in one of the episodes which is called time's up for the gang they address sexual harassment in the workplace um after being placed on one of um i think it's the worst bars list <laughs> in philadelphia um so it's it's really really i i employ you to watch it because i think you'd enjoy it if you if you like some of the my other choices on this list i think you're like this. It's on Netflix at the moment, I think. And um, 
yeah it's just brilliant it's it really is a laugh a minute well I, I think that's the perfect summation of it um i mean obviously my, my awareness goes as far as I, I i know i'm aware of the show i know the show obviously uh rob McElhenney is probably slightly more famous in this country for owning a football club now uh but yeah. then again this show has been so successful for him he's able to buy a football club so you know kind of one begets the other um and i think you're right it does seem to be that, it, that again a lot of your choices have been about having a brilliant ensemble cast and this is another show that kind of sums up and shows you just how strong that can be yeah definitely and i do think the addition of danny devito in season two launched the show really and allowed it to become the massive success that it is and it's still going i think it might even be the one of the longest ever sitcoms running sitcoms um but yeah it's it's just absolutely brilliant well, no final recommendation needed, and I shall definitely, probably, I shall try and, I've got a couple of things on the go at the moment, and as soon as I finish those, I'm going to make an effort to make, it's always it's sunny in, in, in Philadelphia on my on my to-do list. It, it has to be said, it's probably one of the longest titles of American sitcom I've come across. Yes. Yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll definitely give that a go. Brilliant. I really enjoyed that. So on to your now final two choices. So please do tell us your penultimate in your top 10 TV. So yes, my penultimate choice is Peep Show, which is another Jesse Armstrong show, but with Sam Bain too, um, co-written with Sam Bain. Um, this is a cult classic, and I think for good reason, I mean, if you haven't seen it, which I'm I'm sure like a lot of people have at this point, it's just one of the best, I think one yeah. of the best British sitcoms yeah. ever. It stars David Mitchell and Robert Webb as flatmates and sort of best friends, Mark and Jez, who are both very different. Um, but their dynamic is kind of what makes the comedy gold, really. Um, they're the perfect TV duo, I think. But it's just about them living in a high-rise flat in Croydon. Um but again, this is one of those shows where it's, you know, its longevity proves its success. It it, it ran for a really, you know, a good number of seasons and it's um it's just yeah, it's brilliant. I, I think as well it's unique because you've got POV shots and the internal monologue. And I have to admit, when I first watched it, it took a bit of getting used to because, you know, it's not often you kind of see that. Um, style of filming and I wasn't sure I liked it at first but actually it allows for a lot of the the funny moments um, yeah I I, 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 to I totally agree and I think that is also testament to how good it is because there will be an awful lot of people that will will have watched that and kind of gone I, why did that why are they doing that why am I just seeing their faces that because that's totally out of convention to what a normal normal inverted commas sitcom would be so for it to be so different in its execution but for it to be so successful uh is is testament a to the writing but also the performances i think mitchell and webb are hugely underrated in terms of their performance skills um i mean obviously they, they went on to make that mitchell and webb look which was the the sketch show i mean some of the most um memorable and relatable sketches have come from that Mitchell and Webb look. I mean, the number of people I hear that probably haven't even seen the show, but you'll say a number somewhere and someone will go, that's number wang. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it, they've, they've become sort of sitcom earworms. And I think that's yeah. again, testament to their creativity and their skill at being able to kind of, you know, hone in on something, but peep show 
without a doubt, um, has appeared, I think, on three other other lists, all for exactly the reasons that you're saying is the, the combination of the writing, the original execution and the performances. Just, you know, brilliant. Again, I mean, actually quite a lot of these shows that you, you've got our, our Channel 4, which again, just shows you the originality and creativity that, that it has as a channel and is prepared to take risks. And I think that's really important. Um, and it's actually something I've only just realized, just looking at your list of Channel 4, actually, is, I would say makes up the spine of your your top 10. Yeah, no, it does. I couldn't agree more with the statement you said, I think, yeah. There's, and also there's a lot of Channel 4 shows that I love that, ha- that aren't on my list, but like just Derry Girls as, as one example, I think it has, just created some of the best of British TV, and yeah, this is this is definitely one of its best creations. I think, really. Um, no, it is. I, I I totally agree with you. Uh, and again, another Friday night staple from uh, from Channel Four. So you just you just can't go wrong. So we've done your top nine at the moment, and there's been some absolutely brilliant shows. Some shows I was less familiar with, but we'll definitely be going to seek out. So uh, thank you for those. So now the only thing we've got left to do is for you to give us your number one show from your TV top ten. Yes, my number one show is Pulling, and it's on the BBC, it it comes from Sharon Horgan. Um, she wrote it with another writer called Dennis Kelly. It focuses on, focuses on three women in their late 20s slash early 30s living in London together. And it opens with Sharon Horgan's character Donna abruptly cancelling her wedding to her fiancé and long-time, long-term boyfriend Carl. You know, it's it's a, quite a few years old. I think it started in two thousand six, and but it still feels relevant. Um, and again, it possesses this trope of um, the main characters being flawed, making questionable choices, a selfish, morally dubious. Um, it, it ran for two series, and very sadly wasn't renewed. And I think that was quite unexpected. So it wrapped up with this. Um, long special I think it was like an hour and a half special um but I think I love this for a lot of the same reasons I love Peep Show there's sort of it's real there isn't really a a happy ending um and it's very British humor and everyone can kind of relate and see the worst parts of themselves in the characters they're not trying to hide how awful they are sometimes um and I think it's just it's just the, the cast is really good as well it's brilliantly acted and just so incredibly funny I mean a lot I love a lot of Sharon Horgan's shows um Catastrophe Motherland as well yeah um, but I think this, this is my um and Bad Sisters but this is my favorite of her shows yeah um, I mean my- it's it is remarkable to think that it had that pedigree and then really was only two seasons and I mean I remember it I think it was blighted a little bit because it was seen as the UK version of Friends, uh, which didn't really help it because it wasn't. And, yeah. and I think I think people were expecting it to be like Friends, but British. And because it wasn't, it didn't really kind of take off. It was very much its own thing. Um, but I mean, in terms of kind of pedigree, it was it's Daisy Goodwin who produced it, you know, from uh, Sil- Silver River uh, Productions, and they're phenomenal now. Uh, it was the last program that um, Harry Thompson, who was a legendary comedy producer for um, for the BBC and Channel Four, so it was the last program before he sadly died that he produced, and he'd done, you know, 
Um, all of, I think he'd done sort of Alan Partridge, he'd done Amanda Iannucci, he'd done Big Train, he did, you know, um, Smack the Pony. I mean, his pedigree was just incredible. Um, so to have that kind of talent behind it, you would have thought it would have done bigger business. I mean, you know, two seasons on, I think it was BBC Two it was out on, um, isn't bad. But when you think it's Sharon Horgan and it's got all of that talent behind it, that it might have been bigger and better than it was. I, I, I think it's a bit of a sleeper, to be honest. And when I saw it as your top top of your list, I thought, well, that's incredibly brave to put that there because I don't think there will be that many people that will be aware of it. And to be honest, whenever I get a top 10 through, I always kind of you know speak to my friends about it. And so many people went, what's pulling? And I just thought, well, that that's sad. And that's testament to kind of the fact that it didn't have the spotlight that maybe it deserved. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, you're definitely the only one that's had pulling in your top 10. And you, I think I'm pretty sure to say you'll definitely be the only one that will have it as the top of your top 10 list as well. Part of the genius of your 10 is a lot of them can't be pigeonholed. Things like Peep Show and Fleabag and Spaced, you can't pigeonhole them because there hasn't been anything else that kind of comes near them. Um, and maybe something like pulling um, just because, you know, we have, we have, lazy itis and try and pigeonhole things but it does i mean it definitely it, it has its place um if not only just because it spawned an amazing career for sharon hogan i love it i think it, i really hope that people listen to this and go and watch it and love it as much as i do well hey that's kind of what it's there for you know what we want to try and do is create lists so that people can they say I've not heard of that i'm i'm going to check it out because that sounds interesting um because you know that's how we discover things and tell other people and that this is how shows grow yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more so a question i'm asking everybody that's put their list together and again thank you for yours i just think it's been brilliant and unique i'm definitely going to give yours as being a unique list even though there's a couple of there's a couple of shows on there that have appeared on other people's lists the shows that haven't that you've included nobody else has mentioned so i'm definitely using that um so how difficult was it very difficult i mean there's so many shows that i wanted to put on that i didn't and it took a while to of you know it took a long time to deliberate over it because i feel like there are definitely a lot of shows that i've missed out that i feel almost guilty <laughs> about not putting on the list good well to be honest in a weird way i quite like to hear that because i wanted to kind i wanted to create a format that meant people really had to think about what they were submitting because effectively it's kind of your this is your blue peter time capsule you know you're putting your 10 favorite shows in and, and you know we've all got hundreds and hundreds of hours of watching and so to distill that down to 10 favorites I, I i as i say i've not done mine and i think it would be very difficult so i'm always i'm always hugely grateful for anybody that's able to have done it and you know everybody that i've asked has, has submitted brilliant list and they have been different there's been a lot of repeat shows within them but in different places and sometimes just for different reasons which has been fascinating to be honest so yeah listen i can't thank you enough it's been an absolute joy to walk through your television top 10 um and i hope you enjoyed it too thank you so much for having me on i've i've, it's, I've had a great time it's been so much fun i think you'll agree that was an awesome top 10 and beautifully constructed you can follow nikki on instagram and twitter at nicolemorris99 and of course if you have a top 10 tv list send it over via threads twitter or instagram to you're on mute productions but for now thanks for listening and remember to give it a like and a follow see you next week for another edition of my top 10 tv podcast 
My Top 10 TV Podcast is a Euron Mute original production.